Hello, and welcome to Failing Boldly, a podcast that invites people to share stories about failure, resilience, and perseverance. I'm your host, Christian Kuhn, and my guest this week is Benjamin Salisbury, the Public Engagement and Museum Education Director of the Emmett Till Interpretive Center in Sumner, Mississippi. The story of Emmett Till's lynching and murder has long had a haunting effect on me, partially because I live about a mile north of the church where his funeral was held in 1955, and I went on a personal pilgrimage a few years ago where I walked 13 miles from that church to his gravesite in suburban Chicago. A story about Till's death was published in the Atlantic magazine last summer, and it was there that I learned about the Till Center. Benjamin was kind enough to speak with me about the center and its goals for racial reconciliation and justice. ABC is running a mini-series this week called Women of the Movement that's based on Till and his mother, Mamie Till Mobley, and I thought it was a good time to air this podcast now. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Benjamin Salisbury, thanks so much for being on the Feeling Boldly podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. The pleasure is mine. I was wondering if we could just start by, in the intro, uh, I talked a little bit about the center, and uh, for those who don't know who Emmett Till is, a little bit about that too, but I'm wondering first if you could share a little bit about how did the center come to be? How long has it been around? Great question. Uh, so, so the center opened officially uh, spring of 2015, along with uh, the restored Tallahatchie County courtroom, which in turn is in the Tallahatchie County courthouse in Sumner, Mississippi, where the infamous trial of J.W. Milam and Roe Bryant took place in September 1955 for the murder of Emmett Lewis Teal. Um, so, yeah, the center opened along with the, like I said, with the restored courtroom being one phase of a multi-phase um, approach to restoring the courthouse in its entirety. And, and we can go into the reasoning and purpose for that restoration uh, along with why we exist, I guess maybe a little later in the podcast, or if I need to, I can kind of go there now. Yeah. If you actually, if you talk, if you could talk a little bit about uh, were you the one to kind of get this going or were there others who made a decision that, that we need to have a center like this? Yeah. Another great question. So no, the, the, the decision um, for the creation of the Emmett Till Interpretive Center uh, came long before, um, long before, you know, I got on board. Um, it actually started. It dates back as far as let's just say around 2005. Uh, it came about through the establishment of an Emmett Till Memorial Commission, which, to kind of condense the story a little, um, was a convening of citizens all over Tallahatchie County spearheaded by the late Jerome G. Little. So Jerome G. Little um, was a gentleman from Tallahatchie County who served as one of its first um, African-American, uh, well, one of the first African-Americans to serve um, as a, a supervisor in his respective district. Uh, he kind of took it on himself in the mid 2000s to, to, you know, to start um, a process that he would hope gives way to, uh, to racial reconciliation. In that hope, or, or rather, in the early creation of the commission, they realized it, it was it was realized that this commission needs to be biracial, um, and that in order to really kind of begin tackling 
race, racism, racial reconciliation in this county, um, we had to be willing to look at ourselves very matter of factly. And one of the, um, I think one of the most, I think one of the the lumbers, you know, that that, that sticks out in in our community was that of you know not only the trial of J.W. Monument or Bryant, you know, two of whom, um, you know, were kidnappers and murders of Emmett Till, but then the 50 plus years of silence from a public standpoint around this atro- atrocity. Uh, so, so, um, so from, yes, yeah, so about, the, I want to say very late 06, 07, uh, these, these citizens, right, these, I'm going to call them seasoned citizens, came together um, and continued uh, over the course of about nine months or so. Uh, for the first time, beginning to try to reckon with race and racism. And, and, and when I say that, I mean, not just complexion, right, or, or, or things of that nature, but really looking at how the construct of, of, of how people have been treated here and in other places has impacted the way we relate to one another and the way we relate to ourselves. This is super important because in our community, to my knowledge, I'll say that way, um, I think this was one of the first times, if not the first time, that black and white folk intentionally and consistently talked about race and racism and doing it for the purpose of trying to create solutions short term and long term. So one of those short term solutions, or at least one of those short term um, understandings that, 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 that was garnished through this process was that we needed to publicly acknowledge and apologize you know, to the members of the Teal family as well as each other. Uh, but then committing going forward to find ways to continue living out a process that we would hope gives way to racial harmony. So at the time, the courthouse had fallen into dilapidation. Um, and we knew that this was a space that was not just a symbolic uh, locale for you know racism and or systemic injustice, but like a literal uh, place of such a thing, right? Regardless of where one stands on the philosophy. Um, and they felt it necessary that well, if we're going to, at least one thing we can do is restore this space and have it be used not just as a courthouse or a courtroom, but to be a point of reflection, right? And 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 to then um, also allow it to go from being a point of reflection to now reimagining new use cases. That new use case uh, component, I want to say, came about when the commission then became an organization, right? They, they became an official organization, uh, midway through the restoration process, and they deemed it necessary that that an institution uh, is in place, ideally close by, uh, to engage folks in this narrative. And by narrative, I'm speaking of one, our connection to the Teal tragedy, but then to our own um, continued reckoning with with ourselves, right, and with you know with this narrative. I mean, with um, the truths concerning race and racism. Overarching, but the overarching, but then also uh, with who and what we're committed to being uh, as, as citizens in this county and as just citizens in this country. Uh, so, 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 yeah, it absolutely predates my uh, introduction to the space. Uh, the, 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 I, yeah, the, the, the commission became an organization. I think 2013, and and then you know a place was was located, and from there the, the interpretive center um, opened its doors in 2015. Are you a native of the county? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I am, actually. I'm born and raised in Tallahatchie County. Um, um, yeah, literally grew up about a mile outside of or a mile away from uh, Sumner and from, you know, well, the Interpretive Center and the 
um, courthouse. I remember as a kid coming up here, it used to be uh, like a neighborhood neighborhood grocery store. And from time to time, I would come up here and get, you know, junk food that I probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely a native of this county and, 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 these, and this what, location. So it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like initially there was a desire to begin to talk about race, to, to live into what racial reconciliation might look like in your own county. But had you a vision you or others, do they have a vision? This could go very well beyond the county. It could happen in the state of Mississippi and then beyond that too. Or were there initial thoughts? Let's just focus on our county and then see where it goes. Well, so, so Chris, I think there's a little bit of both. Um, I know that that now the late Jerome G. Little had aspirations that that the process that we've gone through, and well, I'm saying gone, but I guess in some ways are still going through. Um, was one that we felt or he felt uh, is something that our state and, you know, his dream was that even, you know, that even the president would speak to uh, the necessity of us reckoning with race and racism and and, and apologizing uh, to whatever degree possible, you know, to members of the Till family for, you know, for the compounded injustices that took place, right? You have a child that was murdered because, you know, he whistled. At, at a at a at a woman, uh, and in addition to that, his murderers were acquitted, uh, there, and there was no other, to my knowledge, no other legal recourse of any sort and type that took place, um, and and justice escaped his mother up to her passing in the early two thousands. Um, the fact that this narrative, uh, yeah, that this narrative and this and this tragedy has such lasting and in some ways irrefutable. Um, um, implications on us as a nation and, and as a society. I think that also kind of drove the reasoning for which Jerome G. Little felt it necessary that not just our county, but our state and the nation at some point would would speak publicly, you know, to this narrative in particular. Uh, but then to an you know, but to, then to that general, um, to the general narrative and realities that that we're all facing when it comes to to race and racism and, 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 and the necessity of having those conversations and processes uh, to give way to reconciliation and or communal understanding. Um, uh, so that those points, I think, were reaffirmed with the bringing in of, of our executive director, a gentleman by the name of Patrick Weems, who, um, who kind of took where Jerome was when it comes to his aspirations and tried to find a way to, to give that life and body when it comes to meeting people and when it comes to the development of other programs uh, that, that we've been able to foster at the center. This may be a hard question to answer, but what is it? I mean, there have been thousands of black Americans who have been lynched over the years, including some children. What is it about the Emmett Till story that you think still attracts people's attention? Is it because his, his mother decided to have an open casket that those photos were uh, published throughout the country. Um, what is it about this particular murder that people still are uh, drawn to, and that it is a uh, something that that garners attention, uh, that people that it gives people um, a desire to want to to be more active. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's that's it is a hard question, right? Um, well, I think even more so than it being a hard question is, is 
is that it's it's a it's a hard reality. Mm. Um, having said that, I think in large part the decision um, by Emmett's mother, uh, Mrs. the late Mrs. Mamie Till Mobley, uh, to have that open casket funeral. I think that I think that decision, in part, uh, set us on a trajectory where mm. where people would would bear witness to, you know, how vitriol and 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 devastating racism is. And what I mean by that is this, Chris: it's one thing to hear a horror story, right? You know, it's yeah. one thing to kind of be around a campfire or however folks convene and and you hear about the boogeyman or you hear about whatever. Or even more specific or more proxal, you hear about other tragedies. Whole nother ball game. Oh, ball game ain't the right word. It's a whole nother thing when, when you go from hearing about a bad thing to now seeing firsthand the result of an ism, right? Mm. And so speaking very specifically to this tragedy is that racism you know, speaking very matter-of-factly, um, you know, racism is a very real thing concerning Western society. It's not just an American thing, although our nation, in a lot of ways, absolutely was founded by racism and, and or on racism. If you can kind of, you know, that ain't even, it's not even an opinion per se. Like, when we look at the construct and we look at um, um, those that have benefited from it, uh, you know, it, it goes from just one person or one group of people not liking it to absolutely seeing how it damages all of us. So I can say that, but it's a whole nother thing when now I'm looking at the remains of a dead child. Mm-hmm. That, that it does, it, it goes from it being, and I say this with the utmost respect to the memory of Emmett and his mother and those that are living, it goes from being a story that you kind of hear about and kind of try to, you know, have in your head and heart what that is and you want with your day to now being faced with a child, right? It makes it, it connects you in a way that I think prior to just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and adding to that, right, the, with 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 this image being in Jet Magazine and people, you know, hundreds of thousands seeing it, and then this case and trial being shared on TV, one of the, arguably one of the most, you know, controversial cases of the 20th century, Definitely in the mid, you know, 20th century. All those things, I think, kind of help spur a consistent, um, I don't want to use the word intrigue, but it didn't give people the outing that once existed when it comes to hearing a story one day and then that's it. Like this became a thing that that resonated in the minds and hearts of people, regardless of race. Um, and, and it spurred people and, and provoked people, black and white, to be programmed, to, if nothing more, to really look at themselves in a way and say, who and what am I um, that I live in a country or in a place that watches the death of a child not be avenged, right? And when I say avenged, I'm not talking about folks doing harm to other folks, but just they're not being systemically and on a societal level means and ways and norms that absolutely protect people. And why is that protection not, you know, so as you start kind of going down that, those those questions and thoughts, all of those things are still, you know, on the footing and grounding of a child, a dead child and a mother in mourning. That's not just a black and white thing. That is a, that's a human thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what connects us even today is the fact that 
there's such, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the human experience is so prevalent and present in spite of the years having passed, because I think we're still wrestling with mm. what it means to not just be human and humane, but what it means to preserve and protect humanity. Thank you for sharing that. Does that get into then, I was going to ask, what are some of the overarching goals of the center? Uh, what are what are the hopes that the, that the center wants to see fulfilled? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you asked a lot of great questions. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, there, there are quite a few. I, I think some of the ones that I can, you know, that I can easily talk about would be, um, you know, of course, you know, it's a desire that, that, and not just this county, but anywhere and everywhere, you know, people give thought to this narrative and they do it not just for the purpose of being able to say, hmm, I didn't know that and then you're going about today, but to really kind of stop and now say, well, what are the stories and narratives of my community? You know, mm-hmm. what are the stories and narratives of my own life? And in what places can, is it visible and without debate that I need to find ways to make things better for myself or, or dare I say, you know, for the world that I'm a part of? Uh, because we're on the same planet, but we kind of all, you know, but we all have very different experiences. And so our sphere, our sphere or sphere of influences kind of is a world in and of itself. So how do I now make my world better? What lessons can I learn from this tragedy? And and in part, when it comes to the center, what are some takeaways I can gather and create um, a process that could possibly give way for more understanding and give Mm -hmm. way, you know, to the appropriate addressing of injustices, you know, regardless of the scale. Um, Having said that, we believe that it's extremely important to not just talk and engage folks in this narrative. Um, uh, We we definitely want to bring awareness and 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 truth. you know, to the things concerning the Emmett Till tragedy, especially with the green light from Reverend Willa Parker, who is uh, one of the last remaining relatives, and I think one of the last, rather one of the last remaining relatives and witnesses uh, and survivors of, in his own right to this to this tragedy. Um, having his blessing going forward with some of the things that we have done is a continued, um, and I dare say, it, well, it's not just a continued part of who we are. We, you know, that is an absolute part, or he is an absolute part. So that means. Education has to be important, too. And so we want to find ways to to bring, I don't want to say this story, but to bring history mm. to young folks, right? K through 12 and otherwise. Um, uh, and so finding ways to positively impact um, what's shared in classrooms when it comes to this narrative and when it comes to history, period, is also a big thing because we've, you know, just in meeting people that have visited here, so many of them have come and said, you know, they didn't know about Emmett Till. Or they didn't know about the trial, some of whom being residents of Sumner themselves. So we think to some degree, finding ways to engage and expose the truths around some of these narratives that are local as well as national and in some ways international, uh, we think it can help uh, in us continuing these conversations around race, racism, racial wreck, but then also continuing the conversations to be um centered in in memory and respect of Emmett and Mamie Till Mo. Another thing that we, we look at doing uh, is respectful commemoration. You know, we, we believe that that to a you know to a, a measurable degree, it is important to to be able to mark and look at places that 
speak to identity for better or for worse. And using some of those spaces in a way that is educational and and, and tactful and and intentional, uh, as we talk about learning and growing together, you know, is another is one of you know many components that the center tries its best uh, uh, to do and live out. Um, and 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 so those are some of the ones, some of some of the big ones anyway, is education, uh, commemoration, uh, the raising of of you know, conscious awareness of this uh, of this narrative. Um, and I know I'm missing one, but I can't think of the last one. But those are like at least the big three, I'll say that way. Well, and I suppose that would, it was intentional for the founders to call it an interpretive center as opposed to a museum or um, a memorial that certainly, like you said, creating awareness, but to go beyond that. Uh, and engage in, in conversation so that people can take it back in their own communities too. Absolutely. Absolutely, Chris. You know, it's one thing to come to a place and and you hear the stats and facts and, and there's nothing wrong with stats and facts. They yeah. absolutely have a place. I think it's another thing, however, to um, to give space to the reality of the matter that there's some things we just don't know and that there's some things we're learning and, and creating environments where people can at least somewhat comfortably come as they are um, and, and just simply be while having an opportunity to have a, an exchange of information and an exchange of shared experience. I think, I, think, I think that's why it being an interpretive center is extremely important because that then also, like you just spoke to, it positions the visitor or positions the, the, the person, whoever, for whatever reason they're in, it position that person may leave to continue um, the experience and to continue the um, um, to continue on a journey and a path that, that we hope uh, encourages them to to kind of do good work wherever they are. Wherever they're from. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, as a native of the area, do you remember the first time you learned about Emmett Till, and do you remember what kind of impact that had on you? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I do. Um, I know very early on or relatively early on, you know, my mom and my aunts, you know, they made it a point to kind of talk to us about the Emmett Till tragedy. Uh, although I think one of the most, one of the memories that, that, that comes to mind um, vividly are, I had two teachers, well, three teachers, uh, one of whom was a fourth grade, was my fourth grade, I think like language arts teacher. Uh, who was also like from here, from the area. Uh, she wasn't a history teacher, but she took time on more than one occasion to kind of tell us about the Emmett Till tragedy. Uh, and then like the following year or the next couple of years, I had another teacher, um, uh, the late Miss Emma Horton, who who was a social studies and history teacher that, that really kind of really started getting us to think, or at least getting me, I'll say. The, what she shared about the Emmett Till tragedy kind of made me look at myself in this narrative in a way that I hadn't before. At the time, I was around 11, 12 years old. And although Emmett was 14, you know, 12 and 14, that's kind of close. Mm-hmm. But then when I got into high school and I had a teacher, a gentleman by the name of, of Amzide Burt, uh, co- you know, he, he was also the head coach of our football team, uh, Coach Burt. He was a history teacher and, in my opinion, a master level teacher. Um, he made it a point to to really emphasize the fact that the Emmett Till tragedy, though, you know, 
it, it, it's tragic. And but the compound tragedy is that there were others that were murdered and that didn't unfortunately didn't garnish the, the or capture the the I guess the conscience of, of society the same way that this story did. And that just because that happened in 55 at the time, let's see, I had to be had to be around 2000 and 2001. It was like he, he expressed to us the fact that progress has been made, but there's some things that still need to happen. And there are things that as African-American students, you have to be mindful of. And, and so, you know, kind of allowing the Emmett Till tragedy and narrative to be our, on, you know, on the quadrant plane of learning, our zero comma zero. Um, th- th- those were those were moments um, of my matriculation that, that that stand out. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about again. This is a large question for you, but sometimes I think when we talk about race relations in this country, and I would I think most people would agree in recent years, seemingly things have deteriorated. Though some might argue it's always been that way, and so some might look back compare comparing 2021 to the 1950s, some would say, look how much progress we've made. And yet for someone who is engaged in the daily work of really wrestling with this as you are, you might also say either we haven't made that much progress or we have so much more to go. So maybe it depends on the day for you. Do you, do you feel like um, more the former, like we have made a lot of progress or there hasn't, the needle really hasn't moved much at all since uh, and Matilda's death. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when when I think about you know when I think about that question, um, I'm as of, I'll say it this way: as of now, something that helps me, I guess, hold on to the belief that that progress has been made is is I, I think about the pendulum, right? You know how I mean I'm you know you know what a pendulum is, but you know there's the consistent swinging, right, back and forth. And depending on the makeup of the pendulum, also, to <laughs> there, you know, I'm to, to, depending on the makeup of the pendulum, I'm not completely off when I use this analogy. Sure. If you if you look, if you're if 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 a person is 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 looking solely or, or exclusively at the back and forth, the consistent back and forth of the pendulum, one might believe. And one would have fair reasoning for believing that no real progress is being made. This thing is just simply doing what it does. And at, at one point, you know, it'll be positioned in one way. At another point, it'll be positioned elsewhere. And that's because, and that's, and that's due to perception. Well, perception and makeup, because like I spoke to, depending on the makeup of the pendulum over the course of time, it's very probable that that pendulum has actually moved from the location that it originally, mm. that the, the, the original swing starts. And so I say that because when we look at the day-to-day, I think it is without refute that, that there are some things, that there are some genuine challenges, struggles, um, um, disadvantages, disenfranchisements, all, you know, just the gamut of, of things that's not cool about the human experience that exists. And part of that, absolutely is, you know, deals with racism. Um, having said that, I'm I'm hard pressed to become resolved in, in a position where, where one, I'm left to believe that progress has not been made. And two, 
there's no way for us to make progress. Um, so yeah, I mean, us being able to have this conversation, in my opinion, speaks to societal progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think us, you, you and I, but then also Western society as a whole, in a lot of ways, having finding itself in a space where this kind of conversation can take place um, or is taking place, regardless of comfort or the absence of comfort speaks to progress being made. Um, It's not, I don't think it's the progress that we all, or that a lot of us are hoping for um, or working towards. I mean, because I think that takes time, a lot of time, a lot more time than I think, you know, know, I know it's taking longer than I want to see it. However, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, 60 plus years is not that old. Like, this is something I do, and I'm not trying to take a lot of your time, Chris. I think I think when we when we you know when we try to process time and the human experience, um, we do that pendulum thing, right? We we live day to day and we see stuff day to day, and and when you live like that, yeah, life can seem pretty long. I mean, and I don't want to live in no other way. Now, let me be clear: I'm not tripping over that, but 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 stepping away from the pendulum perspective and then looking at person-to-person perspective. Like my mother was born in 1950. Her father was born in 1885 and his mother was born in 1865. Um, That's only three people removed, like right at the gate of slavery. There's three people. And I know this, you know, there's three generations. I know that's hundred plus years, but in, uh, in that span of time, we've gone from, you know, you know, chattel slavery to, where we find ourselves at present. That's not a long time. Now, there is no such thing as, in my opinion, an, an acceptable time, amount of time for slavery um, or, or, or the mistreatment of any person for any reason, because neither is fair, good, or right, and it doesn't speak to our better selves. But having said that, um, the commitment amongst people to just be better and finding ways to see, to living out what that is, takes it takes time um and i think we're experiencing to some extent the benefit of 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 those that have gone before us and some that are still with us that have been fighting and or speaking to the importance of getting to a space where people black white and whatever uh are willing to not just talk about these things but but find ways to 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 gain understanding and see equity amongst all of us, or at least amongst those that are willing to sit down and work to it. That's yeah. progress. That was one of the, the big takeaways for me when the anti-racism training I've done is for, for the, the leaders, the trainers always saying, we are working for generational change. This, this training that we're doing, things are not going to do a 180 tomorrow. And so taking a look at that big picture has always that tension between looking at the big picture, but not being complacent, thinking, well, it's going to take so long, so why even bother? So that combination of urgency and yet taking a step back and seeing the arc of history at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, what, you do what you um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I'm curious. There have to be days in your work and in the work of the center where you go home and you're feeling very frustrated, things are that progress isn't being made, that that pendulum seems to be going the wrong way. 
What keeps you going in those days? What, what helps you get out of bed the next day and continue the work? So how honest do you want me to be? (laughs) I always want people to be as honest as they feel comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I'm going to share is, 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 it is, it is, it is a personal sentiment, right? That, that, that these are the thoughts and words of Benjamin Salisbury individual who happens to work for the Emmett Hill Interpreter Center, but the thoughts that I'm conveying at this point are exclusively mine. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, it's a couple of things. One of which is I, I keep waking up. And what I mean by that is since for whatever reason I'm up, I'm going to choose to do the best I can to commit to doing whatever good I can do. And I can't guarantee myself or anyone else that that good is going to absolutely equate to, um, you know, to measurable change or, or, or anything else. But, but what I believe is if I'm up, if if the good Lord lets me see that day, this day, then, Hey, I kind of have the responsibility of doing the best I can to be the best steward possible of this day. And so how do I do that? So, I mean, depending what, what, you know, for me as of now, that's, that's doing the best I can to commune and engage with folks in this narrative. Um, and, and the narrative is very similar one. I mean, ultimately it's to help folks realize the best or better versions of themselves. And that that's, that's, you know, that too is a process. Uh, and, and, and that, and that kind of leads me to the second point is that I've had to learn that this is a process that that even though I do live day to day, thank thank goodness, um, some days are going to feel better than others. That some um, points of engagement are going to resonate with me and those for whom I'm 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 sharing time and space with. Uh, better than others, or, or at least to the degree and extent where I believe it's better. I have no real way of knowing, but since I don't know that, or at least since I know that's absolutely out of my control, what, what gives me some solace is my willingness to be present, right? My willingness to simply share and, and, and to, and to receive from those that are willing to give, um, uh, and and then being willing to 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 give myself a little grace and give others grace. We all come in with our experiences. We all come in with, for lack of a better word, baggage. Um, and we are and and sometimes it's sometimes it's hard to um, to acknowledge that even you know even with the best of intentions, man. Sometimes you're just going to swing and miss. Um, sometimes you're going to and 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 you have to also give yourself healthy outings, right? I mean, healthy outlets to process and to, um, and to just be a human being, right. To just be a person and it's okay to be human. Uh, but just don't to the best degree that I can, I don't want my humanity to then impede on another person's ability to be healthy and well. So juggling those things when my eyes open, that helps me go, you know, that, and, and I, you know, identify as a believer, right. I believe that, you know, that, that not only is God real, but that, that he has, made himself available to those that that you know let him in and that if you let him in and say very matter of factly hey hey i don't know what i'm doing so kind of want you to help me do whatever it is i need to do um as of now i'm kind of i mean it's a faith walk so i'm gonna do my best to 
uh, walk and act in accordance to 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 the faith. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Well, you, I'm going to ask you now. You mentioned that there are times when all of us swing and miss. So I'm going to ask you about one of your misses. I usually uh, end these conversations by asking folks to talk about a story from their own lives when they missed or when they failed. And so I'm wondering if you could uh, share one of those experiences now. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, that could be that could be an episode in and of itself. I could probably talk for <laughs> for for an entire day about my failures, right? Um, let's see, one in particular. One in particular, okay, so this isn't necessarily a story, but I think, but I, but what I will say is it's a character trait. Okay. Um, I am, I am unforgivable, I am unforgivably unorganized. <laughs> I'm a mess of a person. Um, and there's no good reason for that. I, I am, I like to believe I'm a committed person. And I, I am, but, but it's kind of hard to say that in light of how unorganized I am. Um, and, and so, and sometimes that has impacted, not necessarily, well, being honest, like sometimes that's even impacted what I do today um, um, or what I'm doing when it comes to to, to work. Uh, my, my, my lack of, of, or my unwillingness to, to bridle myself or discipline myself um, more than I have is, is something that I know I need to do differently and better on, but I just haven't yet. Um, I, I think if I was going to speak to, to a profession in particular, you know, I'm a former educator and, and I mean, I stunk. <laughs> I, I not, I don't, well, I'll say it this way. I don't believe, I don't believe I was, well, I was a good teacher, but I definitely did not like teaching and 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 I wasn't mature enough to to really kind of put my nose to the grindstone and just do it for 15 years until it kind of started clicking like no you know I stunk or at least I felt like I stunk uh I know the environments I was teaching in I I did not fit in it was not a good fit for me. I mean, thankfully, nothing bad happened or anything like that. It was clear that you know none of my students or staff or nothing like that was ever in danger or hurt of things to that degree. Right. I just was not. I was a horrible personal fit for for teaching in a traditional classroom mm-hmm. setting. I think I'm a relatively good teacher, but man, I stunk at teaching, and and I you know I, and I didn't go back. And and part of and 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 that still stings a little bit because I love children, I love people. But man, I stunk at teaching and I failed. Um, and and some of that, and some of that too deals with me needing to be a more organized, more disciplined person. Well, I would imagine perhaps you're now in a context and in a venue where you're you are teaching and educating, but just in a different, not in the classroom setting. Uh, and so those gifts and graces hopefully are, are able to be utilized in, in this way too. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me today. And I'll, there'll be information about how folks can engage with the Interpretive Center too. Um, so yeah, thanks again for, for being with me. This was mine. Thanks, Chris. And that's our episode. Thanks again to Benjamin for giving his time for this conversation. You can learn more about the Emmett Till Interpretive Center at its website, emmett-till.org. To learn more about my ministry and back episodes of this podcast, you can go to christiancoon.com. Thanks again for listening.